Hi, and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Alison Spittle, and we talk about things like cancel culture and um, how you can have a discussion that isn't an argument, uh, which I think is a really interesting topic. And I enjoyed having this conversation with her. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it, which would be immensely. And uh, it's nice to be back in my own body and feel a a lot better than I was health-wise. I've launched the last post, the daily uh, podcast set in an alternate dimension, and uh, that is really interesting. It's super interesting. We're still sort of finding our feet and trying to get the quality consistent and the rhythm and the tone and the pace and balancing all these different things, how my personality as the Um, host of a Bugle-adjacent podcast differs from Andy's personality, how the tone of the podcast differs, all these really interesting uh, things to figure out as we go. But uh, if you enjoy that, um, please subscribe to the last post and, um, you know, rate it and all do do all the nice things that you're meant to do, share it or uh, tell other people about it. If you don't like it, uh, you just like Tea with Alice, that is also okay. I'm... uh, at the moment sort of dealing I put up a Patreon post the other day also thank you to my Patreon subscribers for giving me the room to take the time to do that but thinking about the fact that a lot of my output is quite different and diverse from other things that are also in my output things like the last post is very different from Tea with Alice which is very different from The Bugle which is very different again from my stand-up so trying to sort of negotiate the fact that some people are going to like some of my stuff and not others of my stuff. Obviously, some people will hate everything I do and some people will like everything I do. But this, uh, and of course, I don't even like everything I do. I mean, I I like it usually when I'm doing it, but sometimes looking back, it's not not what I liked um, or I've, I've moved on or I think I could have done it better or all of these things. I don't know the point that I'm trying to make. My point is, this is the introduction to the episode with Alison Spittle. Um, look up the last post. If you are in Melbourne, um, tickets are now available for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I will be do- doing Kronos there every night, I think including Monday nights. I'm not 100% sure. Normally people take Mondays off during the festival. But I think I may not be doing that. Um, anyway, come along if you are in Melbourne. There will also, I think I've also got tickets now available for the Sydney Comedy, Fe- Comedy Festival uh, for Kronos uh, also the Glasgow Comedy Festival for Kronos and various other dates will emerge as we go, including previews, because I've still got to write that show. Um, enough of my blithering. I will let you get on with listening to this podcast uh, conversation that I had with Alison Spittle. I will talk to you last. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Not last week. I talked to you last week. I'm going to talk to you next week again. I'm talking to you now, which is whenever you are listening. And... I mean, thanks for listening. You're having tea with Alice. So first, who are you? Then what are you drinking? Hi, uh, my name is Alison Spittle. I'm a comedian and I am drinking breakfast tea with a splash of milk. Very good. Mm. Is that a particular? Is that your go-to tea? Is that the one you always drink, or do you have a? Yeah, I normally call it tea, but <laughs> since um, moving to London, <laughs> um, you always have to. You can't in Ireland. You just say tea, and they go, "Yeah, no problem. Here's your tea." Mm. I go tea here, and they say, 
breakfast tea, decaf, you know, mint. And I'm like, breakfast, please. Breakfast tea. Yeah, because I can't. Or builder's tea. Is there a difference mm. between builder's tea and breakfast tea? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think it's used interchangeably if there ever was a difference. If you know, right. if you know what I mean. Like there mm-hmm. may be a difference, but I think people use them to mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think builder's tea. Speci- I think breakfast tea is sort of. It is a black tea, generic black tea. It's not like an Earl Grey or a blend Mm -hmm. or a, you know, particular kind of breakfast tea. It's just your generic black black tea. But builder's tea is specifically when you have it with milk. And builders. And builders. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I love the word tea. You know, the way you can have, like, breakfast tea sounds like you're describing something as breakfast tea mm. or mint tea. Yeah. Mint tea. Yeah. Yeah. And how tea can be food or a meal. Oh, my gosh. And I love drinking tea with food, like dinners and stuff. It's very comforting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, after after dinner, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. When people are like, oh, do you want a coffee? No. God. Do you want dessert? No, I just want to keep talking to the people I'm talking to. Yeah, and have a cup of tea. Tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the perfect thing. Gosh, when I smoked, I used to love sitting outside and having a cup of tea and a fag. It was very nice. (laughs) That was what my mum lived on. Really? According to my dad, yeah. Back in the day. Because you get to think. It's like one of the only moments. That and the toilet. And, like, you know, you can't say, I like sitting on the toilet for 20 minutes, but you can say, you, you, can, you know. Shower that. ideas are a thing, though. Are they? Yeah, I used to get great ideas in the shower. Oh, man, I'm just an in-and-outer. I'm just, like, clean, you know, clean myself. Oh, yeah, no, and... I'm, a quick, I'm a quick showerer. Yeah. It's that thing of the, the sort of eureka principle, which isn't called that, that's what I call it, of yeah. when you saturate, and this is, you know, proven by data science. I've been recording this audible documentary with Ashram Pura, who's a neuroscientist. Right. So he says the thing is you saturate your brain in the problem. Mm-hmm. So you wrestle with the problem, you really engage with the problem and you can't solve it. And then the process of like going to sleep and letting your subconscious brain work on it or, you know, going for a walk or, you know, relaxing your brain. So it's that like you squeeze it really tightly and then you relax. Yeah. That's why, you know, you leap out of the bath, Eureka, or you mm-hmm. sit down under the tree and the apple falls and you get the idea. And it's those moments of taking your mind off the problem that you've been working on for a while. Yeah, all so right. That's uh, go, going into the shower or putting your head down to go to sleep all of a sudden it comes yeah. to you. Well, you don't have a notebook near to you in the shower. That's the annoying thing. I do now. What? I have I have a, a marker that water, writes underwater. I can write on the side of the shower. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, sometimes it's completely incoherent the next time I go into the shower and I'm like, I wonder what seemed so important then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my mould is trying to tell me something. Yeah. <laughs> bath, bath crayons for children. Right, okay. And creatives. And creatives, yes. Aren't we all just children? <laughs> um, what have you been wrestling with of late? Uh, cancel culture. It's been a big thing I've been wrestling with lately. Um, I've been watching this lady called ContraPoints. Yeah, that's a f- I saw the her most recent see? video. Oh my god, it's great. It was a, she I mean, she is a very smart person Yeah, has always had a really interesting, I assume that's why you yes. follow her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just really engaged and sort of ruthlessly analytical approach to things. Well, she talks about things that I'm afraid to ask people about. Mm. And 
also, um, she, yeah, she, she talks to people that I'm afraid to talk to, you know, like incels and stuff like that. And um, she's just very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think she's doing super interesting work. And if you don't know ContraPoints, uh, she's sort of a ex-academic philosopher who now does a YouTube channel where she discusses sort of ten broad abstract concepts or broad movements in society or social groups and really unpacks them in quite a, uh, a logical, analytical, I think very reasoned way, mm-hmm. not particularly motivated or where she does have biases there on the surface Mm -hmm. yeah she she and she also corrects herself maybe like three videos down she's always constantly changing and growing and yeah which is i think something that is necessary and and recently she was cancelled for casting a trans porn performer buck angel as a voiceover in a very long video like an hour opulence opulence an hour and something video for 10 seconds as a voiceover and was told that she was therefore complicit in things that he had done and said in the past that were or may or may not have been as damaging as they were being said to be. Yeah, and it could be damaging. It's it's a thing that, like, I... It's not that I still haven't figured it out or... Um, the- I've been reading a lot about her. I, I wanted to see what people said after they've seen the video on Twitter, so I keep name searching her uh. and like there are people that she quoted in her in her video she shows some um screenshots of people that have um tried to cancel her mm. and um they well, just continue when, along the same line and they also put words into her mouth that she didn't say or decontextualize words that she did say. yeah 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 so i i, I sort of have flirted with this for years as something that I'm, you know, I don't think that you should be, I don't believe in guilt by association, really. No. And I don't, I don't, you know, I was trained as a lawyer. Yeah. There are standards of proof that are required in order to justify society punishing an individual. That said, there are also social norms and conventions and we do, you know, manage one another by social pressures. Yeah. But I think at the moment there's this kind of um, fusion of the public and the private, of your responsibility, of who is your, like if you go really back to like tort and negligence law where you are responsible for things that might foreseeably harm your neighbour mm-hmm. and your mm-hmm. neighbour in you know certain case law is considered to be whoever might, whoever you might imagine would likely to be affected. I mean, I'm not saying it right but you know if you have a house and you have a a fence that occasionally falls over into the street and it falls over and hits a baby yeah you're responsible for that because it's foreseeable that it could fall onto the street to anyone passing by so they become your neighbor in that scenario right and if they come eat your restaurant anyone who sits in your restaurant is foreseeably you're foreseeably responsible for them in that way so it's negligent if you don't do the things to prevent that kind of harm yeah Nowadays, you can say something in private and it affects or impacts someone on the other side of the world. Yeah. Because it's been leaked or, I mean, what is it to say something on your own Facebook page or on your own Twitter page? Are you considered to be talking to all the world? What if you only have 100 followers? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And should you be pro-rata-ing 
your perceived idea of the harm you're doing, particularly when it's harm that is so diffuse. Yeah. Like things like, you know, ha- supporting Buck Angel, mm. who has said that he's not super into modern non-binary identities. Yeah. So how does what he said harm people? Yeah. How can you quantify that harm? And then how does supporting him... I can under- and, and to what extent you're supporting him. Like, it's so hard to quantify. It's impossible to quantify. It's impossible, but I can see if if someone refuses to, like, respect people's pronouns, it just feels oddly rude. Do you know, it doesn't I mean, feel like... rude. Yeah. But it feels like it's rude and then it's insidious of some sort of, like... I... I, I was fully in favour of cancel culture before. Uh, interesting. Yeah. And uh, I, it doesn't work, mm. do you know? So that's why I thought, oh, well, if you cancel someone, then justice. Because a lot of people rape people and then don't go to jail. Yes. So I was like, oh, well, this is great because, you know, society will shun the person that did it or whatever. And I know it's hard. It's I understand now that there's not enough... It's like... I believe that cancelling doesn't work and the judicial system doesn't work. And I think we're better off working on the judicial system. Yeah. Because because at least it has checks and balances in play. Yeah, yeah. I think think the judicial system is certainly inadequate for dealing with things like rape. Yeah. In part because it's very difficult to reach on a criminal case a burden of proof, which mm-hmm. is beyond reasonable doubt. Yes. It would be easier to prosecute rape as a civil crime. Yeah. But you would never get that across because people would say that it was trivialising what it is. Mm-hmm. Civil crime, the burden of proof, the standard of proof is is uh, on the balance of probabilities. Mm-hmm. So it would be easier to go, well, there's all these women who are saying it and on, in this instance she, he was seen leaving with her and she wasn't looking very conscious and yeah it doesn't come down to the fact that she cannot prove that she withdrew consent at a particular point and then that becomes difficult and problematic because mm. you can't ask the law to bend its standards of proof because people lie yeah like people lie and and people are wrong sometimes and our memories are not as good as we would want them to be yeah and the again, like a fundamental principle of the law is, it's better to let ten guilty men go free than one innocent man be convicted. That's an underlying thread of the law, mm. which is nice. Yeah, that's a nice thing because otherwise you end up in a culture where it's like, oh well, I guess he was innocent, but you know, and he got he spent ten years in jail. I guess that's just the cost of doing business. You don't want that. That's not a fair society. That's true. So there's all these different interests competing. And we've fallen, at least in the systems of the law, on the side of, you better be fucking sure it happened. Yeah, but the victim is going to be sure it happened. <laughs> yeah. But and it's just their word against the per- the perpetrator. Yes, which is why I think having... Which is why I think rape is a difficult case to prove. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it, this is why the system isn't working for that particular crime. And, you know, there are... Historically speaking, it was even harder to prove. You'd have to have a male witness. Yeah, yeah. Which makes it even harder. But 
yeah, I don't know what the solution is, but I don't think the solution is cancel culture. Well, you see, that that's what I'm kind of struggling with, is like, um, yeah, it's, it's cancel culture doesn't work. Our, the current system we have doesn't work. And people that are in, I'm looking at Harvey Weinstein and, and stuff, and I know that he's going to court now, and that's wonderful. But it was also great that he he prided himself on being an influencer. You know, he hung around with Hillary Clinton and, got, and thought that he was a massive champion of women because he, he produced films that had good roles for women. Mm. But he was also, like, a massive predator. Mm. And... For people like it, for, for people like that, it gives me a, this sounds. This is what I'm struggling with, and this is why it's weird. It's like it gives me a sense of like, um, it gives me a sense of justice when powerful people are taken down a peg or two. Mm. But I don't like, I I don't like seeing, I don't like seeing people. I don't know. It's very weird. It's like it's like uh, Google reviews, um. With Google reviews, I rely on them to go to a restaurant in, but I don't like the people that make the reviews. I'm just like, why do you care? Do you know? And like with uh, with just with with cancel culture, sometimes I feel oh, like I've read. Have you read Catch and Kill? No, I haven't. The Ronan Farrow. It's very, it's very, it's very weird. It's a very weird read for me because I was just like, oh, this is like with every chapter, there's some sort of like betrayal. And I know how it ends. Like, I know it all comes out. And I'm like, oh, this is great. But, like, I, I've i been listening to people that have talked about coming out against Harvey Weinstein and they wouldn't recommend it. No one gets any justice. No. And, and also... And I don't feel good being part of a cancelling group. Well, yeah, the satisfaction of seeing a powerful person be brought down a peg is, A, partly illusory. Yeah. And 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 also be you know how how do you know how this person is powerful? How do you know that? Mm. And just because you know that there are people, this is one of the things using some one individual as a proxy for a group of bad people. So we know that there are rapists. We yes. know there are rapists who get away with it. This man is accused of rape, uh, and it seems like he's being held accountable. Yeah. So let's get him. Because we can't get all those other guys. Yeah. But we don't actually know him. We don't know the circumstances. We don't know his accuser. Yeah. And when I, and this is one of the things when I, when I, I hear the statement, believe women. Yeah. Or believe victims. Like, this, this sounds facile, but my granny was in the underground during the war. Yeah. She was, you know, for years in disguises running around doing all these things are you telling me women aren't good at lying but like i know people who are yeah. completely off their rockers and who will use power this is the problem the power is not uh, the problem is not men and women the problem is power if you have power if you have a precedent if you have a system set in place where an accusation is proof yeah people will misuse it full stop but genuinely and I know, I know false rape, rape accusations are very rare. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything for how we should set up the system. Because part of the reason false accusations are so rare is because the system treats ac accusers so badly. 
Mm-hmm. That's a bad thing. Mm. But it has this partly positive side effect, which is that people are hesitant to come forward. That's really fucked up, though. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely fucked up. Yeah, I know you're up. not saying that. I I'm, know not, that yeah. I'm not saying that, yes. that, you know, that guilty men should be freed, but I'm saying that you know... You know people who are malicious. Yeah. And you know people who lie. Yeah. And if you set up a system that are, that can be taken advantage of by people who are malicious and people who lie, that system will be taken advantage of. People are fucked up. I know, but a, a very big thing would be, like, why would they lie? You know? You know? I know, like, I know you said there's some crazy and malicious people. So I have a, a friend who is a, a man. Yeah. Who's wife uh set fire to his house yeah because she wanted to ruin his life Mm. so she set fire to his house with their children inside it yeah like there are such people in the world and you cannot give such people tools whether they're men or whether they're women of course the system historically speaking has been weighted towards privileging men over women yeah but that doesn't mean we should put in other different unfair systems we need to struggle with the system as it is now and whether it's things like... So there are a few things when it comes to specifically rape because that seems to be what we're talking about that and safe spaces and all of this kind of thing and accountability. There's a few things that seem to work but are not popular politically. Yeah. Uh, um, one is assertiveness training for young women. So prevention... Yes, but it's unpopular politically speaking because it comes across as victim blaming. Yeah. Because if you say, which the data seems to show that women who have assertiveness training or in schools where women have assertiveness training, there are fewer incidents of this kind of thing, Mm. that seems to be saying, well, women who are the victims just aren't asserting themselves enough. Yeah. But what it is, uh, what it does is it trains women from the moment they feel uncomfortable to say, I feel uncomfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's enough. Yeah. To show that you're not a potential victim. But do you, what what are your other? Because it's hard to like discuss that without. Because I could make a point, and then, so my point about that would be like that women are are kind of programmed to be that way yes. through society, which is why so, such training yeah. programs would be useful. But it'd be great if we could like. That's good. Yes. And like, and I'm not saying you're saying that's the only solution. No. There's loads of other stuff. But that would be good with like, why why should women, why should I feel sometimes, mm. I don't know, feelings, but like as a woman, sometimes why should I feel that I should laugh or be uh, coy as a form of self-protection because men are making me feel uncomfortable. So... They are, you know, they... So there's, yeah, there's a couple of things. One is socialisation, one is biology, right? Yeah. In a circumstance where some... And again, dividing this into men and women makes it into a more loaded issue than it necessarily needs to be. Yeah. I had a sociopathic boss when I was in a a large firm Mm -hmm. and she would throw uh, folders at my head. Um, We had a glass pane between my desk, I'd face into her office and she'd have the blinds down most of the time, but sometimes she'd have the blinds up and I'd be looking into her office. If she wanted my attention, she'd throw a folder at my head and it would hit the glass in front of my face. Mm. And I, despite the fact that that was extremely startling, would laugh. Yeah. So 
in a circumstance where you can feel in your body, and we can, despite the fact we live in a modern world where you know inequalities of physical power are somewhat balanced, you can feel in your body that someone could hurt you if you get it wrong. Yeah. You will err on the side of making it okay, you know? Mm. Fight, flight, or good dog. <laughs> you know, those are your options when you see a dog growling at you is the fight, you fight the dog, you run from the dog, or you go, hey there, buddy, how you doing? Yeah. It's okay. You know, that's, a, that's what we are, A, programmed by society to do, B, programmed by our bodies to do, mm. which is why something like assertiveness training, which is actually countering your instincts in that moment, your very sensible evolutionary instincts, which are l- leading you down a terrible path, yeah. which is that it is better to be raped than killed. Like putting it flat on the table, that's what your body is telling you in that moment. Which is a horrible thing to think. Mm. And your body is, or maybe, is most likely in that circumstance in the modern world wrong. Your body is telling you, go along with this, it's fine, you've just got to keep your eye on the prize, which is staying alive. But actually, if you're in a bar, your prize is, fuck off, mate. Like, this is not the place, this is not the time, I don't want to talk to you. Go away, go home. Yeah. And there is a slightly higher risk that he'll come and set fire to your car, but all things considered, he'll probably just walk off. Mm-hmm. So you learn those, like that's a, like that's a thing. It's hard to say no to people who have more power than you. It's certainly hard to say no to men who are in positions of physical and social power. Yeah. Who are pushing you to do something sexual. So assertiveness training is one. Uh, that is good. The other one is alcohol, which mm-hmm. is not discussed nearly as much as I think it should be. Mm-hmm. But that's because it's just so culturally embedded. Like, safe spaces are one thing, but most incidents of actual violence involve alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like most, like like most incidents. Of, of sexual violence and physical violence and, and aggression and even things like transphobia or homophobia that turn into physical violence or abuse. Like a majority of those things aren't, an, aren't a sort of a seemingly harmless person at a supermarket. It's usually some drunk fuck. Yeah. Like it's, the alcohol is there in so many of those scenarios and people sort of seem to ignore it and say that the problem is, you know... Whatever, you know, and I'm sure that contributes to it, using this kind of language or that kind of language or forgetting someone's pronouns or deliberately misusing someone's pronouns or... Yeah. All of that is is harmful, but nowhere near as harmful as when you add alcohol into that scenario. It's strange. I wonder, though, with... um, Because we're talking very broadly. Yeah. But a person that, like... um, like Like a trans person who's been mis, you know, misgendered and on purpose and then punched in the face by that person. Mm. They so like, for me, like, I, I associate kind of like, because I've been beaten up a few times. Mm. And, like, I remember once this guy was like, he knocked me out, but before he did, he called me a fat bitch. So I have this weird kind of, like, 
association with people calling me fat with like almost the same feeling before I got punched and like a lot of people have and it's so weird to bring in feelings all the time because I feel that's a big thing for people is feelings yeah like I see people talk when they talk about like when they talk about contrapoints they're like I feel this way and I know that contrapoints they go like I know contrapoints feels this way and they're just presuming her feelings on stuff while they're stating their feelings. And every every time, like, I don't want to be... Um, I used to feel good if I said, this thing is bad, because mm. I know it's bad, and you're, you've, you've done a bad thing. Mm. And I think what I was saying before is, like, I'm a good person. Yeah. And, like, that shouldn't be... The way it is, and which is one of the re- okay. So th- this there's like so much in here, and yeah. I don't, like I'm not, when I when I talk about this stuff, we're not debating. By the way, no. it's not like no. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think we are both kind of on the same side. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, totally. But these are things it's that, that need I'm to be so afraid. Unpacked, right? Yeah. So first of all, feelings are facts. You you hear this from the right wing all the time. You hear this from the rationalists. You hear this from the new atheists. Feelings aren't facts. Feelings yeah. are facts. Yeah, they're not proof. No. So there are, the the feeling is a fact. It is proof of itself. It is itself. Yeah. You know? If, but then the question is, where is it coming from? What is it caused by? What does it mean? What does it signify? And who should be responsible for it? And then, and then, more than that, like there is this stuff that comes out. But like in terms of who should be responsible for it, and mm-hmm. I've, I've said this story before because I think it's quite instructive. I have a friend who grew up with violence. Yeah, and he was in a lift, and he was in a lift with a man in a business suit. My friend is a big, strong guy, so there wasn't that. That was out of the equation, and uh, the guy in the business suit shot his cuff like that adjusted his yeah. uh, suit arm yeah. uh, by making a sort of a punching motion in the air. And my friend had a reaction, yeah. a feeling in his body that was startlement, fear, adrenaline, just a nasty shot of... He was triggered, you know? Mm-hmm. A nasty shot of chemicals to his system. It's so weird how when someone says... Tr- it's almost like oh, he was tr- like yeah. almost like that's well, a bad he didn't, thing. He, he doesn't want to. T- he doesn't talk about it in that way. He yeah. doesn't like that language. Yeah, because he's a big strong man and he doesn't like so thinking of himself odd. in that context. But you know, for the rest of the afternoon, he felt a bit weird and a bit jittery and so on and so forth. Yeah. In that circumstance, his feeling is a fact. His heart rate was up. His adrenaline was up. He was incapable of engaging with the world in the way that he would normally engage with it. Yeah. The reality was this man was not a threat and he can't tell that man that he did the wrong thing. Mm. What that man did was a completely reasonable thing to do. So maybe if they're best friends, he goes, hey, mate, if we're in an enclosed space together, could you not make a sudden movement like that? That's a reasonable thing to ask. Yeah. But for that man, it's not foreseeable that he could have hurt harmed someone in that moment and nor should he be asked to you can't ask people not to to go around in the world not making sudden movements Mm -hmm. because my friend who has the reaction is the atypical one Mm -hmm. and his reaction now is much less than it was 10 years ago so in that instance 
you know, who's responsible for the feelings and, and so on and so forth. The problem is how much do we ask people to investigate? How much do we ask people to be compassionate and empathetic and, and worry about how their words will hurt other people? And then how much do their words hurt other people? And then how much do their... Like, I don't know if I... I don't know. If someone tells me that they didn't mean to hurt my feelings, does that make my feelings unhurt? Sometimes. Yeah. Depending on who they are. Depends on the context, doesn't it? And in, it depends intent. on intent. But yeah, which is again this problem about algorithms and spread and and social media because then we we aren't having conversations with people. Yeah, yeah. What you know, it's not like me. It's not like ten seconds ago where you're like, we're not arguing. By the way, we're unpacking. Yeah. We're not on other, uh, just so we know we're not on opposite sides of the table here. This is something that we both are concerned with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super concerned with it. I worry about it. I know that I've said something, like, my whole comedy is about walking these lines and pushing them and, 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 and trying to do it in this way, in this kind of way of let's all figure out why we're uncomfortable. Yeah. Not I want to hurt you or I don't care if I hurt you. Like, I genuinely care. I want people all to be on board and to come with me and be like, why is this interesting thing the thing that makes me feel sick? Yeah. You know? I'm interested in that, but I know that there'll be something. If someone came at me with a malicious intent, I have no defence. Yeah. You know, I should have known better. I'm sure there's millions of things I should have known better on. Yeah. Because I don't know fucking anything. No, and I think it's... It's weird because to say it's not that I'm afraid of being cancelled because that's like going... I'm afraid of death. Mm. Like, it's, it's a horrible thing that pr- will happen to me. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. It just depends on, like... But um, sometimes people tweet me and they go, like, um, at Alison Spittle never punches th- down. And it's not... I don't... I don't actively avoid punching down. I'm just a very empathetic person. Mm. So my comedy is often, like, just... It can be thoughtless and shit like that, but, like, um, a comedy is ref- a reflection of me and I have a lot of too much fucking empathy and it's annoying. And mm. it, it sounds like the biggest wankery thing to say, but it actually, like, is holding back my life. Mm. Like, so with with that, it feels almost like you're a good you're a good person other people are bad and it's not like they're threatening me but i feel threatened also the nature of cancel culture is because it's decontextualized it's taken out of who that person is as yeah. a whole you're not weighing like this is fucking weighing your heart on the scales against a feather in the underworld like mm. you but the data isn't there they don't they're not weighing your whole life or your whole self or and how do you weigh these things? How do you weigh a good family man who yeah. spits on a drag queen? Like, how do you balance that? Is that you can't, you can't, we can't. I don't believe in God and only God could judge that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, and, and that's not, not withdrawing from my responsibility of, 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 of thinking someone's a good person or a bad person. But in terms of taking action, like, I quit being a lawyer. <laughs> I don't have the right to 
impact on someone's life like that. I have the right to discuss it with them or to talk about it or to to have my opinions, to express those opinions, to direct those opinions at that person maybe. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I have a joke in The Resistance about uh, Alan Jones, who's a radio shock jock in Australia. Yeah. Um, and finding out exactly how much money he gives to charities, mm-hmm. like really like baby heart surgery charities, not weird political charities. <laughs> and this is a man who literally every day will say something immensely fucked up. Yeah. And he affects the opinions of people who listen to the radio. And he has a real impact. You know, there are taxi drivers who will tell you that you should be afraid of the immigrants. And he's getting his money from his job as... From his job. And giving it to heart charities. For babies. It's very hard, though, because... So how does that... He's making the world a worser place. Yes, but he's making the world a worse place in one way, in one very specific way. Yeah. And he's making the world a better place in a very concrete way. So the, the way that he's making the world worse is sort of diffuse and cumulative and spread out. You're mm. 0.2% more likely to have a taxi driver who starts talking about the Jews. Yeah. But there are 45 children now who are alive who wouldn't be, or 145 or 200. Yeah. And how do you weigh that? It's hard because as a white person, your perception of, like, my perception as well, of where we see racism or where we hear about xenophobia. It's like the taxi driver and we go, oh, that, that shock jock has like um, in, embiggened, that's the Simpsons reference, uh, has emboldened yes. a taxi driver to be able to talk to you about, um, uh, about emigration that they weren't able to do maybe about five years ago. And it's mm. the difference you're seeing. Oh, I'm, and me, right? Mm. But, you know, for... Um, a person that's not white, the the extent of what that man has, how that man has affected him, isn't the taxi driver. It's going to be their lives. I again, I don't, I don't know how much you can track that. Well, like through like policy, like if there's right wing politicians and they feel that the everyman, taxi drivers or whatever, mm. kind of agrees with them. If this man is amplifying their voices. Then, yeah, but then is he responsible for that? Yeah. So, or no, because he is the... I mean, you've done radio, you've yeah. done television, you know I've how much I've done radio of right-wing people. Yeah, but I know, I mean, you know how much stuff goes behind a programme. Yeah, but I so, do, yeah. So then, I mean, holding Alan Jones, here's this person yeah. who speaks out and says these terrible things. But in order for him to have that platform, there are at least a hundred people and then behind that is the Murdoch press yeah so is Rupert Murdoch responsible for the taxi driver or is the producer of the show who gives Alan Jones the topics responsible or are the advertisers who stick with him responsible or is the intern responsible or is the channel responsible or is the people like but is it like a symbiotic why is he the one who gets cancelled and you know what I mean yeah, I do. do. So do you mean, like, if he gets cancelled then somebody will just replace him to, to fill that no. hole? Or I mean that... that I mean that it is a, such a complex and integrated web 
Yeah. That to pick the one person as the voice of the thing. Yeah. Is again using using one individual as a proxy for the guilt of a group in a way that seems... Uh, feels satisfying but is... feels to, seems to me to be unjust. You are... You are finding the one English soldier who happens to be on French lines, and you're stringing him up from a tree and gutting him. Yeah. When you, when the person, the, the thing that you're angry with is not this one person. That's true, but this is the way I would see it: is that that man gets paid significantly more than the researcher that has to find. So let's say when I worked as a researcher in radio, mm. um, you for, for some reason we have a thing balance right Mm -hmm. so somebody could be talking about a perfectly reasonable uh bicycle path that's going to be built in dublin i have to find someone then that's against the bicycle path so it's going to be some shithead driver who doesn't like doesn't have as much skin in the game as a town planner who's Mm. going to be talking about this amazing new bicycle path but we have to put them both on the radio in to be seen for balance and the guy that i worked for that it's not enough how's that not the balance do you see that's it that that's 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 but that's through laziness of researchers and producers mm. because we don't think we think there's two the same way when I had to go to my and I was saying it to myself where I was going we're not debating no no we're no. both in the, because I am so used to either listening uh, to people talk from two different um, two for two different ends of the ends of the, the debate and the other thing just before and I'm going to go into something now but just before um, the reason why I don't feel that bad for for the shock jock is that he gets paid significantly more than the researcher that has to find the people the producer he's the face of that product that they're making and he deserves to get paid way more because he has to take the shit. Same with the Prime Minister. Yeah, he got punched in the face. You see, that's fucked up. he was up. sitting in a cafe. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that's what you... But this is the... Yeah, the, this is an interesting thing. So he... He... He's taking that money to take more responsibility the mm. same way a, a Prime Minister doesn't really... Like a prime minister and a and a civil servant, a minister, a junior minister, advisors, they're all working for the same aim. Mm. But it's the prime minister that will get punished. They will get voted out. They will have th- this is what how it should be. They mm. will have newspaper articles about them, and not and not like the civil servant or the advisor or anyone mm. else. And um, um, the thing about like radio and general media is that I um I would often get called to do debates on the radio. Mm. I remember the last time I kind of went a bit mad because it was like it was an Irish radio station they rang me for a breakfast radio talk show and they had someone on from Spiked that was talking about how women um what, uh, d- I'm not even going to bother trying to paraphrase it because it's actually unfair <laughs> to the article or whatever. But it was basically that like women should take more responsibility for uh, sexual assault. Or I'll, I've just paraphrased it. Yeah, something, 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 something of sexual assault I've and women. I've heard that argument made reasonably well. Yeah, well, like, I just wasn't going to debate it. Yeah. 
Um, because it's not my job, but it, I found it so weird that I was rung up about it, and I was like, "Why are you getting me on? I'm just gonna be, uh, I'll just swear on your show. Yeah. I'll just go mad. Like I'm not going to be a good debater. And also, I do feel weird, and we can like disagree on this. Yeah, but I do feel weird. That's that's very presumptuous of me. I'm sorry. I feel weird about um. I feel weird about TV shows that have debates where they ask a question and I feel like it legitimises a horrible opinion. And I think... Well, I mean, this podcast is yeah. my answer to that. It, 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 my The reason that I do Tea with Alice the way I do it is yeah. because we don't ever see uncertainty mm-hmm. and we only... You know, in the in the mainstream media we see these polarised opinions and they'd A that is bad modelling like yeah. it's bad parenting you're only showing one kind of behaviour one kind of argument that can be had one kind of discussion that can be had yeah and it is it is so mechanistically algorithmically driven by this um, deliberately provocative way of of thinking about attention. Mm-hmm. So we need to get people's attention, so we need to say this extreme thing and then people will debate it, by which we mean you'll have A man and B man and they will butt heads for a while and no one will change their mind. Yeah. Like that's what they mean by a debate. It's not a real debate. I listen to debates to hear the person that I agree with. Um, Make good points and look yeah. good. And I never... Li- that's that's the genuine truth and I, you know, and I don't see anyone that's right wing who does that as a bad that's not a bad moral thing to do no but it's 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 also but that is the fault of the of the show that is put on this debate yeah because you're not bringing in people who are unconvinced you're not having this it's not a discussion it's yeah. just a show it's just a it's just a fucking bread and circuses gladi- gladiatorial match yeah it you is you know it's it's a glitz and glam and I don't think it's I think it's bad for us I think it's a it's a it's a bad influence yeah and I'm, I'm saying that again kind of using parenthood as an analogy like it's a bad influence on our brains I think our brains are so delicate like how like if you think of your brain as your child in a way yeah like what we feed our brains is so bad and the way we treat our brains is so bad and we're not you know, you have to think of, of the fact that you, you can build a bad habit so quickly. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, stopping by that shop to get that donut every day. The moment you start doing that, you're doing that for fucking six months. And to break that habit is so hard. Yeah. And you don't even think about how that works in terms of attention and emotion. So we're, 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 we're cultivating these cycles of outrage and satisfaction and co- condemnation and smugness and certainty about someone else's motivations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are so bad at empathetic projection, which is weird because it's the one skill that humanity really, really has. We're so... We have this ability to put ourselves into each other's shoes and yeah. yet we're so unwilling to do it. So much of the time. Yeah. Like you have the great fictions of history and these incredible 
stories and you can read a story that will bring you to tears, just, just words on a page that will make you cry. So we can put our hearts out of ourselves in that way. And yet this trans person screaming unreasonable attack slogans at somebody who they see as the enemy, we can't go, oh, they must feel awful all the time because they've had 10 years or 20 years of feeling wrong in their skin and having people say things that have made them feel like shit about themselves. Yeah. So this, you know, one instance where someone's used their pronouns wrong and they've become, you know, hysterical and all of that. Mm. So from the right wing, seeing the left or, you know, the extreme left as completely off their rockers. Yeah. They're completely incapable of imagining what it might be like to be in their shoes. And the left wing is equally incapable of going of imagining what that's like. I know. With the left wing and right wing thing, mm. I feel... I, mean, I think that's a very unfair way of seeing the no, world No, 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 no. But it's funny for me how, like... Um, God, I'm so incoherent today. Um, no, you're great. With, with, the, with the left wing ideology, mm. I, I've been living in uh, Britain over a year and I voted in the election mm. and I had <laughs> I had a big angry night the night of the election and I was like fuck everybody and yeah, yeah, yeah. all that type of thing and it felt wonderful and then I deleted the tweets the next morning and I was like done fine but um, I feel <laughs> I feel right wing the right wing of Britain and because in Ireland it's different uh, all of our main political parties are kind of like centrist right there's nothing mm. we can um, um, okay. the, the left police each other mm. over stuff and will punish each other probably more so than we would uh, anyone from the right or we'll be punished more for a more minor discretion than someone from the right because... You you have rules for how you treat your enemies, but the way you'll treat a traitor is pretty fucking bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, also with with the upcoming leader election of the Labour Party, there's some people that I've just gone, I'm not voting for them because of one small thing. Mm. And um, and I might agree with them on loads of other stuff, but mm. I'm just like they're they're gone. Um, and it's so absolute, and so strange. And uh, I feel the right don't do that. I feel that the right, like if you if you look at like Republican elections, like when Trump got voted in, there's a lot of people that like are Washington veterans. Well, you that had most... to get behind him and did. You look at the recent election in the UK, yeah, and what happened was not, even though it was marked as a landslide for the for for the Conservatives, yeah. What that was a function of the first past the post system. Yeah. What actually happened was a turn away from Labour. The Conservatives yeah. didn't gain more votes overall. Labour lost votes, not to the con- not to the Conservatives, but to other parties on the let's say more or less left. Yeah. That's what happened. And don't let people tell you that's not what happened because the numbers mm. show that that's what happened. I feel like the left wing is like a is like an incel <laughs> in some ways. In that you know embittered embittered men. Yeah. are often 
men who had an overly romantic idea of what it was going to happen in their lives. And whether that's from watching television where everyone gets a beautiful girlfriend for no apparent reason, or (laughs) whether they are genuinely just very delicate people who feel like the world is cruel to them because Mm. they they, they don't get to be big and strong and well, they're that's brought, not fair. They're brought off to be told they can be anything they want to be. Yeah, There's and then nothing. they realise that they can't. Yeah. Like, there's so much more rage when you realise that your beautiful idea of the world has collapsed than if you were, if you just have quite a pragmatic idea of the world. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why the left wing gets gets uh I'm left by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am I am also left as well, but I feel uh, this is why I criticise the left so much because yeah. I'm surrounded by it. I mean the fucking arts. I know. I my granny was you know an illegal immigrant like I am Yeah. But again I don't I don't like the idea of having to justify my very use my various identities to justify why I'm allowed to talk about these things so I won't go into it. But uh, but do you know what? It's nice to hear a story. Yeah, it about, is nice to hear yeah. stories. Well, that's, I mean, that's a pragmatic thing as well, which is that when people talk about the refugee problem, if you present it as a matter of statistics, they're against. But if you present yeah. any individual story, they're like, oh, well, that person should be allowed in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but to, to carry on with my point, Sorry. I think that's one of the reasons why the left wing is presented as elitists, because... The narrative put forward by the left is utopian Mm. and utopianism feels elite to people who are struggling with basic things. Yeah. So for people who know how fucking hard it is to build a fence, to get a fence through your local government system and to get the permissions and the planning permissions and the the equipment and make sure it's all up to spec the idea of giving the government more control in your life is insane yeah it's completely illogical it's so hard to get my fence in my own garden built why do i want the government interfering in how i talk Mm -hmm. for example yeah and so for the people who are concerned with these problems people who have non-binary identities or trans identities or immigrant identities or non-white identities this is a life and death thing yeah that's it this isn't building a fence this is making sure the tap turns on and there's water in the tap yeah but for the person who's trying to build the fence who isn't struggling with this as a life and death issue it's a luxury issue and i saw this with the police chiefs the police chiefs in Australia came out to talk about bushfire management and how the government has been pulling money out of the out of the fire services in Australia mm. and you know that the, talking about how the fact that anyway it all came out and I saw a politician private school boy politician inner yeah. city boy politician say oh these these lefty elites telling us how it should be yeah about the fire chiefs. Like, do you understand? Like, these are firemen. They're not 
elites and this politician was an elite and what he meant they're weaponizing language they're weaponizing language they're using it insincerely that's not, not the point the point is that there is something about the ways in which these two different groups talk that that comes across in this way and I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by it this idea of of utopianism and empathy and compassion as a luxury yes as 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 something that only sort of academics think about or care about yeah why is that how has that happened how has it happened that that it isn't an obvious and pragmatic thing that how did we go from a conservative britain britain where someone asking to see your documentation would be considered an outrage. Like, that's the whole thing. The mm. baddies are the ones who ask to see your papers, right? Yeah. To a, a cu- culture that thinks that it has the right to tell people what to call themselves. Like, there isn't the freedom of the whole system that you can... No one gets to tell you how to be or who to be or what to be. You don't have to prove fucking anything because you're a free man. Like so that's the whole point of the British fucking of the Magna Carta. Yeah. Is you have the right to go, this is my turf, this is my territory, this is who I am. You don't get to check my fucking birth certificate for my sex at birth. Yeah. Like, isn't that the point? I don't, isn't that at least one of the points? I th- it is. Are you saying that, like, from, from the left and the right, we're being controlled. I'm saying, when I say being controlled, that sounds conspiracy theory. Yeah, and I'm, I'm what I really, mean is there's no. algorithms in yeah. play. These system, and, and, and this is my obsession at the moment, is these algorithms and the way that they cultivate habits of thought and habits of behaviour mm-hmm. and, and everything from the confluence of words to action these two separate things that words feel like action because we're living online mm-hmm. and so words are actions. Yeah. And so speech can be violence and those, those, those lines get erased rather than talking about the nuanced ways in which speech can feel violent or remind you of violence, as you were saying before. Yeah, yeah, of course. calls yeah. you fat, it feels like you're about to be punched. And it doesn't feel like it all the time. Right? No, but it doesn't yeah. feel like it all the time, and it's, a, and it's an associative thing and a loose thing, but that's yeah. erased. In online discourse, speech is violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Because then what do you do with actual violence? Yeah. And then what do you do with scenario? On the other hand, what do you do with scenarios where, you know, I've, I've been hit before. Yeah. And there are th- things that have scarred me more deeply than being hit that oh, were for things sure. that were said. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have I have Does physical it... scars that I can't remember where I got them from. Yeah. And I have psychological scars that I can remember Pinpoint. in vivid detail. Yeah. But you know, where's you know, if we're gonna punish people for psychological scars, how do you do that? Because you can't rely on someone's yeah. own account of themselves because we know how unreliable that can be and how shifting that can be and how hormone-based that can be. Yeah. You know, things make me more upset at certain times of the year because of the fucking sunshine that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. how do you play out that and then how do you play out 
culpability and accountability. There is a difference between murder and manslaughter and negligent manslaughter and all it has to do with what you meant to do and what you thought you might do and what you were aware that you could do. It's very hard to like uh, place a sense of control on, for instance, right? Uh, I mean... Me and this person, I knew this person for a couple of years. Give him a name. Uh, let's say uh, Felix, Felix, right? And Felix came up to me last year and said, do we have a problem? I was like, no, don't think so. And um, then they talked to me about how I made them feel mm. on occasions and stuff that I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. And then when I said, look, I really sorry if I hurt you um I don't remember it but like of course I must have made you feel this way and then they said well I feel like you're gaslighting me now and then I got angry at them Hmm. and it was so strange well because that's also they're going from giving you the benefit of the doubt yeah to saying something like gaslighting which is a deliberate yeah ploy they, they to wanted, damage someone they wanted a reaction they wanted a reaction uh, that was other than the reaction that I was giving them and not through some sort of satisfaction but I feel that that's how they feel that they can sort out stuff is through saying stuff that you regret or anger and then apologizing mm. and getting to the root of whatever was the issue but I genuinely at the time I got mo- I got pissed off at them after mm. now, then I was like now I have a problem <laughs> but before I didn't mm. and um, and I think that comes through shame of like I made someone feel that way uh, I didn't know and I pride myself on some sort of like um, self oh why What's mm. what's the thing called when you're so, uh, that I'm self-aware, mm. you know? And but also, it doesn't feel fair. Yes, I think we have a very finely honed sense of fairness. It's not fair that someone should be hating you when you're not even there. Yeah, and you can't change that. Which is why I think there's a lot of guys who feel like it's not fair that they're being blamed for the actions of other guys. Yeah. It's like, why are you hating me? I wasn't even doing anything. And why am I responsible? I didn't touch it. I didn't look at it like, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's that feeling, which is also a real thing. Definitely. Which I think is maybe one of the things that's missing from the conversation or from the our understanding of it all. I don't know whether the conversation, like, us as a society will have a conversation. What I feel will happen is that something really bad will happen out of cancel culture and then uh, people will be silenced for years and it will be like, to cancel someone... I, no one actively says, I'm going to cancel someone. No, because the responsibility is diffuse. It's yeah. 5,000 paper cuts. Yeah, it's that, like that John Ronson book. Um, so you've been... Publicly, publicly shamed, yeah. yeah, that you're a snowflake in the... In the avalanche. Yeah, you don't and feel culpable for it. I felt like that. And you're and willing I've... to hold someone else culpable for the actions yeah. of a large group because they represent that group to you. Yeah, it's it's very hard. So I think what I've decided this year mm. uh, is... I said I was going to quit Twitter. I haven't. <laughs> um, but I am not, no longer going to get involved in any 
um, any Twitter conversation where there's obviously a bad person mm-hmm. in it because other people will say it. I don't, no one needs to hear my opinion on stuff. And I would hope that... It's so strange because I have this weird thing where I said to my boyfriend, I'm just going to put a pin tweet and I say that I abhor racism, sexism, transphobia in all its, you know, ways and then just stay off Twitter and only promote my comedy. Mm. And my boyfriend's like, why would you bother saying that? Like, who are you saying that to? I was like, I don't know. Mm. And it's that weird part of... And this is not... A, but also that's also not enough. Yeah. So for the people... The people who would demand that you have that out there... Yeah. ...as a flag... Yeah. That wouldn't be counter evidence, even if a scrap of evidence came up to the contrary. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And if you're listening to this, go watch that ContraPoints video. It's such a good it's video. It's amazing. And to talk about, like, she talks about, like, um, the James Charles apology, mm-hmm. where that makeup artist, um, who's, like, 18 or 19. Also, I was on Twitter at the time where uh, Tati said, if you... So basically, there's this makeup artist, James Charles, and this other makeup artist called Tati. They're both big on YouTube. She basically, Tati, tried to cancel James Charles. Well, this is the interesting question. Did yeah, she, did she try? I think she, I mean, I don't think, I, she sub- as well. I don't think she consciously tried. I think she was angry and upset, yeah. and she was expressing her anger and upset on the platform that they both share. Yeah. And, and then... Relatively quickly afterwards, she deleted that video. Yeah. Um, I don't think she was deliberately trying to cancel him. No. But the reaction to attack him, and then when he came out with some, even just a bare counterpoint to her original accusation, mm-hmm. the the backlash to attack her yeah. was wild it was wild was essentially were you watching that at the time yeah yeah it was something that should have been a phone call between friends and maybe a a friendship breaking argument yeah but the publicity of it was astonishing and the ways in which the people moved so there was a there was a channel that was available at the time to show their follow accounts going up and down as they responded to one another and it's like uh, the thing that struck me about that was that it wasn't, there was no data, there was mm. no information, there were no facts yeah. going around. But these, you'd see it, it was like swaying in the breeze, this mass of people going back, moving back and forth with their support. Mm. And, their, you know, and, and what that mass of people represented was millions of dollars millions of dollars of support going from one side of the page to the other side of the page based on an Instagram story that came out showing him crying convincingly or unconvincingly or her crying convincingly or unconvincingly or her saying, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. This isn't, you know, the, the moment where she said, this has gone out of control, this is overblown, this isn't what I intended to do. She lost followers and they went over tears. Like that incredible thing. It was like it was like watching a storm. It's like a wrestling match. Yeah. Yeah. Except that I don't th- 
I think he probably thought he was in a wrestling match and she didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's younger and... He's more savvy about yeah. that, I felt. I felt. Or maybe she's so much more savvy that I don't think she's... The point is not... <laughs> the point is not he was right in that situation. Yeah. The point is that watching the behaviour of this group of people on that graph over time, it was live updates of the follower counts and a, mm. as, it, as it moved, I was like, people are... Like, these, these people are influencers. That's their job title. And people are so easily influenced, influenced, so so moved by things that aren't facts. Yeah. And I spend my whole time kind of trying to balance myself between this, like, legal training that I've gotten. Of, like, you need to have evidence and proof and things need to be in a particular order and you need to be able to present things in uh, a concise and structured and logical and consistent and coherent and persuasive way and then my my feelings mm. <laughs> where anytime anyone is upset I feel for them I feel for this generation of bad men yeah because like I'm, I'm talking about predators I, I feel bad for them because hundreds of years of people before them got away with it <coughs> and you know, it's like you steal a fucking cookie out of the cookie jar every day at work and no one's ever gotten you in trouble before. <coughs> yeah. And it's still theft, it's still wrong. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to trivialise the horrible things that people have been doing, but I do feel sad. Yeah. It's like... Um, I've been thinking about that too. I've been thinking about who we choose to empathise with. And for me, it's not like a... Okay, so there's a thing that, like... uh, How would I describe this? It's a way of, like... I remember I was chatting to a friend once Mm. about a situation that we knew the two parties involved in. He knew one party, I knew the other. I believe that party... He believed his party. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why we both believed our mutual friends was because I spent more time with my friend and I believe that person. He spent more time with that friend. He believes that person. And I kept asking him to empathise with my friend. And I said, it's terrible. How would she feel in this situation? And then he would ask me to empathise with the daughter of his friend. And, And it was like... Because he couldn't ask me to empathise with the person that had that I felt had done something to my friend. Mm. So he asked me to empathise with the daughter. And not that I refused to empathise with the daughter, but I almost was taken aback and I was like, Oh, so you're empathizing with her, but you're not you're not going to entertain the idea of empathizing with my friend. Mm. And I'm prob I'm not gonna entertain the idea of empathizing with your friend's daughter. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that you won't empathise with the person I'm asking you to empathise with. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, well, but this, this is the thing that's happening. And the other thing, my dad is currently living at the meditation centre yeah. um, north of Sydney. He's a, a Buddhist. Bushfire. And they're surrounded by the bushfires. And it's horrible. It's been going on since September. Right, the right. The is on fire. 
Wow. These are the biggest, and, and the, he's saying that even though the fires at the moment are 10 kilometres away and holding steady, they're under control from where he is now. Um, the ground is so dry that trees are just falling. Wow. Not even in the fire, just trees are falling over in the bush near where he is. Um, and he's in this quite isolated place. He's staying alone. Um, you know, there are people who come and go to meditate and, and he'll talk to them as they come and go. So he has this very odd perspective on the news narrative because he's getting it via people. He's not really engaging with it because he's at the meditation centre. Mm. And he says people are living in two different fact scenarios. There's yeah. two different realities because of the way that they brought up the suburb they grow up in, what their parents read as a newspaper as a kid, these habits of mind that you have, the people they're talking to at the grocery shop will dictate their idea of what is happening. Yeah. And what these fires mean and what they are and what the government's doing about them or not doing about them. Like, the, the truth is different from the perspective of these people. Yeah. And at the same time... There's smoke in the air and has been for months and children and old people are coughing in the street. Like, it's... It's... We live in interesting times, Alice and Spittle. We do. It's almost impossible... <coughs> I think one of the reasons that it's almost impossible to have complicated conversations about these things why we're drawn to simple answers or simple condemnations. Yeah. Is because when you start talking about them, they sprawl out and out and out and out and out and it becomes unwieldy and unmanageable. Like I certainly felt like during this conversation there were like octopus arms going off in different I directions know. and we were both trying to grab them and corral them in and, and, and steer this beast. Like, and it's so weird how I felt like several times where I kind of like spiked the conversation when I'm a leftist, by the way, yeah. as if like... As I felt that I wasn't like uh, I felt like I wasn't stating that. Yeah, but it's so again, hard. that's that thing of like this isn't a debate. We're not no. against each other. We're we're trying to talk through this because I think it's worth talking through, and there aren't enough people talking through it, like who are coming from the same fact scenario. Genuinely, I feel like it's so easy to find an enemy to talk. To. I either it's debate easy. or not talk about it. Yeah. Do you know? Because I don't feel like I need to talk about it with people. If, if we weren't doing this podcast, I don't think I'd ever bring this up with you. Yeah. Because I feel that you're on the same page and we don't have to yeah. talk about this. But it's, I think it is important to explore these ideas and to, to articulate them because until you actually say something out loud, you, you're not sure if it works or not. And the, But the other thing is, is like, I... I don't know how I'll feel in two months. No. Whether this will be the same, you know? Because yeah. I'm just, I don't know, maybe in the past year, I think I was just so gung-ho in in favour of cancel culture. I really was. Because mm. I felt like this is the answer. Mm. And um, just the longer it goes on, it's not even, I just feel like nothing will change. You so know? Yeah, it's not a the solution. First of all, it's ineffective in changing things on a structural level. Yeah. Secondly, it sets a bad precedent. Yeah. Because what it does when it is effective 
of like getting someone fired or something, you're setting a precedent that all you need to get someone fired is a certain number of tweets or complaints, and that is nonpartisan. Mm. So if it takes 40,000 angry tweets to get someone tri- fired for being a transphobe, maybe it takes 40,000 angry tweets to get someone fired for being gay. Like if that, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can't set up these precedents mm-hmm. for behave, extrajudicial justice and the right are using cancel culture in their favour. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then more than that, um, not changing things structurally, um, uh, being a bad precedent, uh, being a bad habit to get into in your mind mm-hmm. for how to change something. It's fucked me up. Like, if you, we're not changing people because the people who are bad are just getting alienated and the people who are good and again that's very you know that's a stupid way to put it but people who are well-meaning are getting freight getting getting frightened and and people who are mean are getting disdainful Mm -hmm. it's 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 a misdirection of energy it's a waste of energy it's like pouring it's like leaving the taps on pouring light into the ocean you're not it's not going anywhere yeah or even if it is going somewhere it's not the most efficient use of our energy and time and, and attention which is such a precious resource well i think that's one thing that i want to kind of argue for this year through this podcast maybe or through my platforms of being conscious of your own attention as a limited resource what you put your mind to like you know you have a powerful mind yeah and what you choose to allow into your mind and what you allow your your attention to rest on a shapes who you are as a person and b will have a deep impact on what we actually get done Mm. as a society and that stuff is starting to feel more and more urgent like Paying attention to the bots in Australia that are saying, oh, what about arson? That's a fight I could win. I can argue against that. Yeah. Right? Which is that arson is a very small percentage of a very huge number of different things that cause the fires and paying attention to that when the real problem is how fast the fires are moving and how dry the ground is and how long they're lasting and how unpredictable the winds are and how small the window is for hazard burning are all impacting these massive fires. That is an argument that I don't need to have when I could be raising money for the RFS or sending a letter directly to someone in government who might read it and be impacted by it. But that's... I see why people would have an argument with a bot Mm. and go, I've won that, because you could write a letter to a politician Mm. and it could change in a couple of years, but you won't get that same dopamine hit that you got from winning an argument with a bot. And I say that for myself, you know, it's easier to debate stuff. It's easier to debate stuff on Twitter. Um, I think a big thing for me... Yeah, then to then to change stuff. Because yeah. I don't know how to. It's I don't so know hard. how to. It's yeah. so hard to build a fence and you feel unsatisfied and yeah. it's never as much as you want it to be and it takes ages and we should all be fucking doing that. Yeah, yeah, we should. We really should. And uh, I, I should wrap up. <gasps> yeah. Uh, 
This was good. We should do it again. I love having you on. You're good I at talking. Thank like you. Um, where can people find you online, Alison Spittle? <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> <coughs> on Twitter, but hopefully a lot less. <laughs> it's at Alison Spittle on Instagram, Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I'm giving that a go. Amazing. Yeah, I haven't done anything yet. Have you? It's so strange. I'll like, show you I'll some videos. Yeah, show yeah. Some videos. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, yeah, Facebook. Uh, I have a website. I have my own podcast. Yes. Uh, it's called The Alison Spittle Show. You should be a guest on it. I will. I would love that. I when, love that. when I find my podcast and equipment, I left it in my mum's house. All but right. let's well, do that shit. Let's, let, let us absolutely do that. Thank you so much for having tea with me. Thank you. Wonderful tea, by the way. Lovely rifle, doll, lovely rifle, doll.